Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's 30 years of Alliance supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Alliance leagues. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined for our chat, looking back on the football weekend by Dick Turk and Donica Boyle and Sinead Kassan. And although there was plenty of on-field intrigue over the weekend from Dublin's first win of the campaign over Tyrone and Kerry edging Mayo on Saturday night, Dunica, we might start off with the kind of ongoing dispute between the GPA and the GAA that's kind of gathered more steam over the last week or so, the negotiations breaking down over expense claims for inter-county players. And I know you were at the Mead Court game and Andy McEntee referred to it after the game as well, although most managers and, and I think all the players didn't speak to the media as part of a kind of a media blackout as this rumbles on. You know, what's your assessment of the situation at the moment and, and how much further could this go? It's, it's, it's a very tricky one because, like, it, it, on the face of it, absolutely. You know, now that the crowds are back, return to the 65 centimetre. I think there's no doubt about that. The fact that it's, uh, it's been restored, I think, as of Friday night and that any... Um, any outstanding money is is in the process of being paid. That should have been taken care of a little bit earlier, I think. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, the other side of it is, I didn't sense any great outrage over the last couple of weeks about this. I certainly got none of it in um, in uh, from either the Mead or the Cork camp. They seemed very happy. Andy McIntyre's literally one line to us was saying, listen, there's no problem in Mead, but if there is a problem elsewhere, we have to stand up for him. And that was, his, that was the only line he gave to the media. Um, so it's it's a very tricky one, but I'm not sure the level of outrage that exists there. And I'm sure that as this negotiation goes on this week and positions harden, I'm sure that the GAA will be very conscious of that. Um, you know, relations between the two of them are strained at the best of times, I think. Uh, and maybe that's the way it should be to to some degree. But I'm not sure that um, that... There was the widespread anger among players that might be the impression, the impression, because I've certainly over the last couple of weeks got none of it, and uh, there was definitely nothing in Navin yesterday after the meeting court game on the pitch. I know a couple of players did stuff with local media, and as far as I could make out, they were largely unaware of the issue, um, or, or certainly weren't motivated by it. So that that was my sense of it over over the last couple of weeks and in, uh, on the pitch in Navin after the game yesterday. Yeah, Dick, as a former player yourself, like where do your sympathies lie or what's your view on it? It was an interesting discussion last night in League Sunday. Tom Parsons of the GPA was giving his view. Colin O'Rourke was giving a, an alternative view, saying maybe the, the players were asking for too much or that they should be you know, content with what they were being given from the GA. What's, what's your take on it? Yeah, well, I suppose I don't know, blindsided a lot of people when it came up last week because 
like like we're in the middle of March now, and if there had been a real chronic problem with players in counties not uh, getting paid expenses, and there was something unhappy, as only like I said, you'd have heard about it, you know, irrespective of anything coming from the the, the GPA. So it's like all of these things. Well, the devil's in the detail. I I, I think there's a lot more going on here that we haven't been told as, as you said where you and you're going to hear more of what 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 the mead management and, and, and the cork uh management give that that this isn't across the board so again if you go back to the gpa's initial statement you could read it that no players have been given any expenses at all this year and that just does not seem to be the case so you know i think the questions have to be asked well what exactly are they looking for and Again, what what counties are not being paid, and you know, is this just is this a few localized issues that everybody on mass has been asked to go in behind? If that's the case, that's fine. But be open about that. Don't be claiming that everybody is is suffering. So again, it's very difficult when we're only been told sort of half stories, and and we don't have the information to make an assess, assessment either way. I think there's an element too that that I think Colin Rowe tried to articulate last night. I'm not sure if he came across a wee bit too anti GPA. Is that what's what's the what are the GPA looking for as a in terms of a sustainable model for the intercounty game? Because I don't think anybody could agree that it, it should be okay that a, a county team should be asked to train seven days a week you know, run the championship season and that that can be funded carte blanche because that's effectively what, what Tom Parsons was saying last night, that if that's the case, well, so be it. The players have to be covered for it. But the question is, you know, as a player welfare, sustainable amateur model, where's where's that conversation in line with expenses? Because the two of them have to be had at the same time. Like, you know, if it is the case, the county teams now, uh, it's the norm been asked to train five, six times a week. That's not sustainable. Like that's not that's not fair and it's not sustainable. So that conversation has to be had in parallel, almost first before any talk about uh, expenses are, because you know you're going down a very unsustainable route from a, a semi-professional road. Like I, I certainly could never have played for as long as I did if that's the way the game had become. And if that's the way it is becoming, someone needs to put the brakes on somewhere or another. Maybe expenses is not the way to do that, but it has to be it has to be reined in a wee bit. So again, there's there's a lot more to this that we, we just don't know. So it's hard to make a I'll call out the way on it. It does kind of feel it did kind of come out of nowhere last week. Last week, <clears throat> I know Joanne Cantwell was trying to push Tom Parsons on this last night, but how far do you believe this could escalate? The GN or the GPA are in a very tricky position here because, in, in some ways, they're biting the hand that feeds them. You know, they're, they're primarily funded by GA funds. And Tom Parsons' argument last night, they have to be very careful because. I've written this piece a few times, but I think people love their players. They love their county players. They want to see them get along. They never want to see them get, be out of uh, pocket in any way, shape or form. And I don't think anyone's in any doubt. Now that crowds are back, the 65 cent a mile thing should come back and that should be paid up and everyone's get on with it. At the same time, I don't think the GPA as an organisation enjoy the level of support among just the general GA membership as their local players do, as Dick did say, in Curran when he was playing with Monaghan, I'm not sure they would look uh, as favourably on the GPA as an organisation as people do at their local county stars. So the GPA, they have a tricky little line to walk here um, uh, in terms of escalating it because, you know, they're within the rights to do something. But as I say, I sense nothing from their membership yesterday or in the last couple of weeks that would suggest that they... um, that they, that they can push this on much further and no one will ask any questions. Um, look, the GA and the GPA, they, there's a lot of brinkmanship 
down through the years through different things. Like they generally go to the wire and they generally find a way. And I think that's the way it's going to be again this time around. And it's definitely the way it should be. Like I, I did, I would have a little rice smile at, at the managers uh, uh, wading in behind the players. Like I would well, say, well, some worst, of them did, some of them didn't. Some of them did, some of them didn't. But I would say, for some managers, the worst five or six minutes after a week uh, managing their county team is. Uh, when five or six dictaphones are stuck in front of them um, <laughs> after a match on a Saturday evening or a Sunday afternoon. Um, so, Convenient but, for them, yeah. Yeah, when they got the chance to dodge it, I'd say they, they took it with both hands and went, and which is fine. Like, you know, it, it's you know, it, it's it's just part of the thing. But um, yeah, it's 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 a tricky thing. But I think, look, this will be sorted. This will be sorted. I think uh, they need to just uh, get around and, and figure this thing out. I know the GA made moves on, on Friday night. Um, uh, and I'm just, I'm just sorry, just one other point that, that that I meant to touch on earlier that Tom Parsons was saying like you know the GA makes huge money and you know therefore you know the players are entitled to a slice of pie is fine but it sort of glosses over the fact and the GA always make this point and it's probably the one area they're pretty much close to untouchable on is around 85 cent of every euro 80 80 plus cent of every euro goes straight back into the games in some way shape or form be it capital projects, infrastructure, coaches, development, you know, and that's, so it's not as if anyone's hoarding the money here and, 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 are, are, are you know, someone that there's unfair, like the money goes back into, into the games as they are. And, um, you know, if you look around and if your pitch, if your club is an all weather pitch or it has floodlights or it has a ball wall or whatever it is, you know, there's a good chance that the same pot of money that, that the GBA are talking about contributes to that. Yeah, and it'll be certainly interesting to see over the next week, week even, let alone the rest of the Alliance League campaign to see how these things develop and watch whether or not a, a, an agreement is reached. Dick, were you going to come in there? No, watch this space. Like I always say, players players should play. Players shouldn't get pulled into stuff like that. I never liked it when I was a player. I think you have, you have a small window there. You have, you have enough energy and time to worry about just training and playing and delivering. It's it's for, for, for people who are... Let's be honest, the GPA are getting paid to sort these things out and it's their job to sort it out. If it's got to this stage and, and players have been asked to to whatever about interviews, let, let's be honest, the way things have been there over the last few years, we're not losing a whole pile. And, and probably the GPA might reflect on, on how people might sort of say, well, with all due respect, the, the lack of media engagement there has been of the player group over the last number of years. It's, it's not much of a le- leveraging tool at the minute. Um, but I think players should be focused on playing and any notion of strike. I think that was the word that... Maybe Joanne was trying to tease out of Tom last night and he wasn't going to say it. If there's any notions of asking players to strike, you'll find you'll find that there won't be much support for that. That would be my opinion, because most counties are very well looked after. And there's a lot of counties, let's be honest, don't even really engage with or recognise the GPA. And that's a lot of people don't realise. Just get on with their business. They pay what they have to be paid. They look after the players. And that's it. And that will be the case. So just uh, GPA have to be tread carefully on this one. Yeah, that's. I actually just wanted to ask you one about that, Dick. Like, as a, as a player, when you were there, like, did you sense that most people were like just passive members of the GPA yeah. and just yeah. kind of, you know, look, yeah. if we get grants or whatever it is, we get it, it's great and all that. But yeah. I, I, yes. I don't really sense a militancy among the general body of players. So as you said, you just want to yeah. get on with playing. Yeah, yeah, that would be the case. A passive, a passive, a passive membership would be at different times. There might be a need or a want, and, and it would do certain things. But a lot of the stuff that they had been involved in there for a few years hadn't really an awful lot to do with the actual players themselves, or getting involved in other things that might have necessarily had a direct connection with the players. So mm. I think yeah, to be very careful on this one because if 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 what was 
you know, and I haven't spoken to anyone in Croke Park. I'm not involved in anything there. I'm not, I'm not speaking on anyone's behalf here. But looking at what was put up on the screen last night in terms of the G are happy to fund four collective sessions tonight at 65 cents tonight. That's more than I ever got when I played. You know, we we that that, that that's a good deal and that's sustainable. But there's another caveat to this, and this was the detail. And sorry, this is, I know it's taken over the meeting. There's the whole move to amalgamating the ladies, the camogies, the GA at large. So all of this has to come on him. How can we fund all of this sustainably? Because absolutely the ladies and the camogues should be getting whatever the senior men's players are. So that has to be brought into a sustainable expenses model as well, because I don't think people realise how much money it takes to fund county teams, especially with expenses. It's colossal. And it's a check that you have to be sure that you can, you can, you, you can write before you're making these big demands. And I think that's probably a big element of where not just what's here and now, but where we're moving to long term. We'll go back to that earlier point. What's a sustainable long term model we need to be looking into here, not just the here and now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, an interesting couple of weeks for sure on that front to see how, how it all develops and if an agreement is ultimately reached. Maybe to move on to on-field action then, Dunica, we might start with Dublin's win over the All-Ireland Champions Tyrone, their first victory of the campaign. Maybe kind of gives them a boost in terms of staying in Division 1. Um, what did you make of their performance? You know, obviously a very strong first half. They look to be clicking maybe in, in ways we haven't seen in quite a while. Not a great second half, but ultimately got, got the job done. Yeah, I, like I think we were here a few weeks ago and we were, I think both myself and Dick made the point that you know, Dublin will be fine down the line. And I think we're just starting to see the start of that. There was there was little hints of it in the Kildare game. You know, another look, another view in that game saying Dublin could have won that. A couple of goal chances, important times, they didn't do it. Um, they were a lot better yesterday. They got James McCarthy back in the pitch. Um, they have, like, Owen Merchant. They got Comer Costello fit again. You know, a few little bits fell their way. And they definitely played in a sort of an urgency that we hadn't seen before. Um, they still have uh, Paddy Small to come back in and Conor Callan and... I think McCarthy and O'Callaghan in particular were the two boys that are going to transform Dublin. And if you look at the team they put out yesterday and you throw Con into the starting team and Paddy Small, wherever you're going to have him, be the starter or coming in, I think they're, you know, they look like a very formidable unit all of a sudden. Um, that's not to say there wasn't issues in the first few games, but yesterday was probably the start of their season, I would say. I wouldn't be surprised if they win their next two games and finish on six points. And in, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be going, what was all the fuss about? And they are nailed on red hot favourites for Leinster again, I would say. And then all of a sudden, then they're into knockout football. And who would fancy them at that stage? So, you know, who would fancy taking them on? I mean, like, so um, now Dublin, Dublin are fine. Um, I think uh, they will. Their season has started. They're up and running now. And I think uh, I think that in the next few weeks, we'll see them open, uh, stretch their legs a little bit, and they will. Uh, they'll be. No one's going to fancy them. No one from any of the top teams. Dick, there's been a lot of talk about the lack of invention in the forward play in previous games by the Dubs. Was the movement of the forwards much better in this game? Was that one of the big improvements? Well, league games are always very interesting. And, and yesterday, in, 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 because things can just sort of take on a bit of a shape of their own. And a couple of things. They're playing um, with a strong breeze at their back in the first half, and it was perfect. If you're coming up with a cause and you're trying to say, set out your stall early, there's nothing you want that you can hit the ground running. So you could see they put a full press right up, on, and Throne literally just couldn't get out of their own half. You know, they're playing against the breeze, and, and Dublin were bringing that energy and intensity. So with that, it was always going to be a great first half for them to try and make a bit of a statement. Now, 
Throne were very poor yesterday, and that has to be. Like, I, Throne, you'd be very worried. You're looking ahead, and Throne would probably say, "Oh well, what about last year? It was fine." Yeah, last year was last year. You don't have the unknown quantity and all the rest that you had last year. So Throne were very, very, very average and very ill-disciplined, and that's been a sort of a, a running trend through the league games in terms of losing men, and they just want to be, be careful around that. Um, that being said, Dublin done what they had to do. They came up and had broad level of energy and the scores then came. I suppose that's what they hadn't brought. They hadn't brought that level of intensity and had the ball in the right areas of the pitch often enough for the scorers to do what we know that they can do in good scoring positions. You know, we've seen against Armagh and Kerry and other teams who were laboured, they were slow ball into the forwards, they were kicking under pressure, they were kicking against blank defence, they were playing from behind, whereas yesterday they were playing from the front. So it allowed, it forced Tyrone with a man down for most of the game between the black card in the first half and Hamsey going off early in the second half. So the cards just fell very nicely for Dublin to do what they had to do. So I just caveat it a wee bit because, as I say, Toronto very poor, very ill-disciplined. Dublin scored two points in the second half with a man extra and there were two fisted points. You know, there's still a bit to go. That's not, that's, that, that's not the Dublin of old. Dublin of old would have buried that Toronto team by 15 plus points yesterday. All right. Uh, Trump could have got a goal in the second half and that could have gone down to the last 10 minutes. It didn't. They've seen it off. But uh, listen, they'll be happy. They've got to win. Pressure's off a wee bit and they'll be looking forward to Donegal as a definite two points the way they're at at the minute. Yes, we're, we're, all, we're always drawn to Dublin and the story because of yeah. how good they've been for the while. But in some ways, the story is Tyrone yesterday. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, you know, late, round one and two, you would have said, right, they're only back in the holiday, getting fellas back. And now we're in round five and, you know, it was still, it was very underwhelming. They have sort of leaked, they've lost a couple of players, just like drip, dripped out of the panel. And, yeah. you know, I, I think maybe we haven't seen it yet, but that's going to bite at some stage, just really going to bite at some stage. Because the last fellas who were either coming on, like I think Tieran McCann maybe won the Donegal game from last year. I think yeah. he got two or three points off the bench and he's gone. They lost another handful of fellas, good experience, yeah, lads. Mark Bradley, boys like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, no, I, I would agree with you. And, and the Paddy Hansi thing yesterday, I thought was just, Zero. yeah, Zero. when you, when you like, it was sure you're on a black, your experience, you've been around the block, you know, you, you're chasing the game a little bit, you know, you're just get, get on with the game. It's just, yeah, like, we don't know what's going on, but like that, that little moment from a fellow who is, you know, he's experienced, very accomplished into county footballer, and it's just, just needless, completely needless, and basically took the life out of their own challenge, really. Yeah, I think it's it's it's, it's been poor stuff. Let's be honest in terms of the Armagh game yesterday. Mick McCarron should have got a red card. Like it was a clean strike on um, on Brian Fenton as well, and that's just petulance. That's all that was frustration. Like they're not carrying the mantle of all Ireland champions very well. Let's be honest. And this and the Throne boys love nothing more than hear us talking about that, no more so than me from Monaghan. But but that's the reality, and they've been a real. They were really, I tell you what, they'd be sort of a bookie's favourite, I'd say, to relegate it because they have to get you know points out of, 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 of Mayo and Kerry and the form that they're in. There's a big gap there, just as we, you know, there's, like, there's no there's no two-week break now for them to, to regroup. They have to get uh, they have to get their performance levels up. Um, they're playing like boys that just think they're a bit better than maybe they are and they need to really just, you know, because whatever but retaining their All-Ireland, which looks a long way away, they'll struggle to get out of Ulster. They still struggle to beat Derry, so they really need to. And you could see the frustration in Logan and Duhar, like when they're, you know, surrounding referees at the end of the game, and they, 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 nothing to be 
you know, at the referee about yesterday. It wasn't the referee done them any disfavours. Um, they need See, to just of... to come in on one thing about Toronto. You know, you mentioned the, the lads both mentioned there about the, the kind of players departing the panel. Like, what is the mood up around Toronto? Are, are, are supporters questioning why guys are leaving an All Ireland winning team like that? Like, it's, no, it's just, you know, you'll like never a strange get a <laughs> For the last twenty years, you'd, you'd, you'd hear all sorts of stuff come across the border, and you could be eating each other inside. And next thing, they'd still turn up and win an All Ireland, get an All Ireland final. So even where they're at. You wouldn't write them off because there is almost, in spite of themselves, they still come out. Um, but it, it just in terms of the here and now, they're you know the performances just just aren't at the level. You can't be you can't be using the excuse either. I think Donegal that that was trotted out. You know coming back from holidays, like I seen them up in in Oma against Monaghan. Like these boys don't carry weight. Like they trained and played mm-hmm. longer than any county in the country last year in terms of an All Ireland final and then club. So they you know. Fitness isn't really an issue for, for boys at this level anymore. It's not like it used to be when I was playing. You'd come out of January with a big arse on you and you'd take it till Easter. And go. These boys are, you know, they're fit. You know, fitness is not an issue. It's attitude. It's discipline is the problem. And well, can uh, they turn up that round, Dick? Do you reckon? For the yes, the same way as Dublin have. Yeah. Absolutely. So they need to get back. There was, there was no intensity. There was no aggression. There was no bar bar the petulance in the second half that you seen. There was no proper aggression and intensity. You go back to where they won the All Ireland last year. It wasn't against Mayo; it was against Kerry. That just a playing above themselves for seventy minutes. We haven't seen that from them there this year, and they need to find that back, or they'll find themselves just slipping into the pack very quickly. Well, it's just the, the, the other Kerry game that, like, the candidate asking can to turn around. Like the other Kerry game last year, with what was it, six goals that they, they, yeah, yeah. they looked over shipping water, you know, right. whatever it was, four, eight, seven, eight weeks, whatever it was later. Yeah. You know, they, they turned it around and they beat Kerry themselves. So, you know, they, they can absolutely turn around and. You know, there's 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 plenty to be done, but I'm short. Like the, that doesn't say the, the, the tight season now. Like you have weeks. You well, that's it. That's really the difference. Is because the championship nope. starts so soon Absolutely. this year. There but is no breathing space after. They have Derry, Derry chomping at the bit, and they will be really relishing getting caught at them. It'll be the first time in God how many years that a, a Derry team will fancy taking on Drone and you know as quick as the league is over. That'll be that. Like now you talk about septic rivalries. There's nothing like Derry and Throne up in Northern Ireland. So, you know that they, you know, Donegal will already have thrown in their sights for that, and and Throne will be looking over their shoulder as well very quickly. Mm-hmm. The other big game of the weekend, Donegal probably Kerry May on Saturday night. Kerry coming out narrow one point victors. Jack O'Connor, you know, speaking afterwards was very kind of pleased with you know a backs against the wall win. I think he said there's been a couple of games over the last couple of years where Kerry maybe haven't come out on the right side of a battle like that. But it's interesting to read Joe Brolly's kind of assessment of the game on the Sunday Independent. He said it was dross, a woeful game. Seem to be drawing conclusions on the health of the sport generally, just based on the on Saturday night. Like, what did you make of it? Was, was he being overly harsh in his summation? Well, uh, to be honest, it's probably it was a very typical modern high class game of football. I think um, you know the the particularly on a night like that, there's a lot of bodies behind the ball, a lot of patience. You know, people pick and choose the moment. Um, you know, and and it gets better in the second half as as legs tire a little bit and gaps open up. I think that's if you go to any Division One and certainly Division One, maybe a little certain teams in Division Two. That is the nature of the game now. It doesn't be great. I, my own theory is that uh, players should be sent on either a brisk 5k or 10k run before the ball is thrown in, and then, <laughs> and then uh, the, the gaps are open and the game is a little bit uh, is a little bit because the amount of times the second half is a better game of, uh, than the first half, and it's because there's little gaps open up and stuff like that. So, um, but as far as Kerry Mayo, like I, I think Jack's right. I think you you dig one of them out against a team like Mayo who are streetwise and going as well as they are. Like you can take a lot for them. 
it's my own suspicion too that that is a dress rehearsal for a very big game later this year. I think we'll see them in Crow Park. I'm not sure exactly what stage, but I do uh, do think we'll see them again. Um, and I'd say um, it'll be probably it'll be a semi final or maybe a final, depending on you know if both teams come out of provinces and that sort of stuff, or where where they come in the uh, where when they join the All Ireland All Ireland series. But um, yeah, I, I um, you know I, I think Mayo can take a lot from it too. Like very few teams go to Kerry and win. Um, I think uh, even Dublin and a pump. You know, I remember a couple of nights there were some big draws there in Tralee and stuff like that. So it's a very difficult place to go and win. Uh, they had the run on them the last 10 minutes and they could have drawn, but for a Lee Keegan point, they just fell just the wrong side of the post. The point attempt fell the wrong side of the post. So, look, it's not, it's it's by no means a disaster for Mayo. Um, and they're still looking around to see what they have and all that. Mayo were very good against Armagh. I covered that game the week before. They could be in for a big year as well. So, uh, look, I think I think they're, that was a dress rehearsal for something bigger uh, down the line. Yeah, I definitely think it was, Donica. I mean, it just didn't take off the game like we expected that it would. And there was a lot of anticipation down in Tralee. My parents left for the game two hours before throwing because they wanted to make sure they get into the stand well in time because, of course, it was such a miserable night down in Tralee. But it just never took off. Dick, are we seeing with Kerry and their kickouts that this could become a concern for them in the championship later? No, I was very impressed them in Monaghan, uh, the way that they beat Monaghan a couple of weeks ago. We'll talk about Monaghan in a wee minute and how they bounced back, but they like were very, very solid in the back. Like Jumid O'Connor was good in the middle. Jack Barry, yeah. The, the, the only thing is, the game, you can get away with now not having natural big midfielders. You know, it, it used to be the case, you used to have the, the you know, we talk about the, the far larger. It, it's not going to cost you. Because you'll still always get, even on a bad day, you'll get 70, 80% of your own kickouts if things aren't working. Like, so I, I, if, if that's where their only Achilles heel is, I think they'll still opt for mobility around the likes of a Jim O'Connor than maybe dropping in a David Moore. You know, they're, they're sort of looking, they need to sort of have a, a Croke Park All Ireland final pace team, and, and, and they have that. And all, you know, based on what We've seen so far there's there a lot of pace, there's a lot of mobility. There's still the likes of Gavin White, Paul Murphy to come in to add that as well. So, listen, Kerry are the form team. There's, there's no doubt about it. In terms of the the, the Saturday night game, I, I sort of called it last week. I said this is just going to be a bit of a you know challenge match. Almost mm-hmm. both teams are for all intents and purposes done with the league. It's about getting players fit, not getting anybody injured, and getting ready for the championship. In, which is literally a couple of weeks around now, and and Mayo, I'd say, are already sort of focusing their attention now on on, on Galway and the championship. And uh, so I think Mayo will be happy enough to get out of there. Good competitive game. Could have got a draw. Could have won it. Lost by a last minute point. Nothing lost, really. And as Donica said, like whatever later on in the year, they could even be playing in a league final potentially in a couple of weeks. They're probably still the two, the two favourites. Yeah, yeah, they could. Yeah. yeah. Um, just the carry defense, Dunnick. Obviously, when Paddy Talley came in, you know, there was a lot of focus on that. You know, a Tyrone man coming down and being part of a carry setup. They've only conceded one goal across the league. Like, have you been impressed with how they defended? You know, to, to, to only concede one goal in five games is pretty good going, yeah. That, and that's, that's <laughs> the obvious thing they did, like to look at Paddy Talley and draw the conclusion between him. And I'm, I'm sure he's brought loads, but I suppose there's natural improvement there as well because those, those lads are still relatively young, like you know, they're still. If only a few seasons. For every season they get on the belt at this stage of their career, I think they're going to improve naturally. Um, I think they have some some options now as well. It seems like you know they've um, uh, they had um, oh, the cornerback. I can't remember his name. He um, uh, but they do seem to have some depth there now in uh, in in the defensive options that maybe they didn't seem to have. And Tyg Morley's playing very well. 
as, as Dick mentioned, Paul Murphy wasn't there and they still they found a way to get, uh, get by without him and win without him. So, yeah, it, it, it was the thing we talked about all the time was could did they have the back six or did they have the defensive system, I suppose, more accurate way of putting it, to cope with the best teams. And, you know, all the signs are so far that they're moving in the right direction in that regard. Mm-hmm. And Dick, one of the wins of the weekend was your own county as well, you yeah. know, in Bally Buffet, where Donegal have such a strong home record over the last number of years. I think it's their first league defeat there for 12 years. Um, yeah. You know, Banty pulling out a, another re- very big result. Monaghan, very good chance of maybe staying in Division 1 now. What did you make of their performance? Yeah, it really was. Credit where credit was due. Um, I didn't get up to it yesterday, just couldn't travel. My dad was at it and was t- chatting to me. He says, listen, it was just a really, really good performance. Probably one of Monaghan's best performances now. Um quite a while start to finish like real I, and I was worried I was worried from after what I'd seen in the game against Kerry because they were way off the pace they looked like oh there's a bit of a golf here in class and I says right I'm on not where I maybe thought that they were um, but listen they, they've turned it around like they were really really good defensively um, you'll always get that honesty and hard work but, you know, we've got a good turn up front as well. You know, Andrew Woods continues to impress. A bit of physicality. Something, you know, Gary Mogan, something different. Again, one of the loads of guys over the last or 10 years who are hard working and, you know, making, put up, making create an awful lot in terms of, you know, they, they do a lot of passing and lateral stuff around the middle. A few guys now that you can drop a ball in and what might create something out of nothing. And that's really where the goal came out of, you know, just somebody good, natural, big, Pull forward, able to win his old ball and stick it in the net. Um, Conor McManus put in a good shift again. He gets it hard to win freeze, he gets a lot of close attention, but he worked really hard and was a good outlet. Two Hughes put in a good shift, so re- really, really good, solid performance from one. Like, and they were comfortable winners up there. Um, against Donegal who who were poor but weren't weren't allowed to play like you know they, they kicked a lot of poor wides but that's because of the pressure on them as well so I think all credit has to go to Bandy and the boys for for turning around after what was a very probably a tough day in a scheme you know against Kerry a few weeks ago to put them in a really good position uh, to stay up which, which I think they will I think I think they'll be by now and go down to Newbridge and uh, you know should get a result there which should, should hopefully be enough and I won't have to worry about taking something off the dubs in the last day Where's Donegal at though, Dick, at the moment? I mean, they had that performance against uh, Kerry down in Kerry and then, you know, the win over Tyrone and then this yesterday, they had Michael Murphy back. They seem a bit stuck at the moment. Yeah, yeah. They, they were, like, I suppose the, the, the second half against Tyrone two weeks ago almost seems to be against the head in terms of when mm-hmm. you look at the rest of their performances, like I'd say Tyrone probably just took the foot off the pedal thinking that game was, was, was done and dusted and, and they just got away from them and, and we probably thought Donegal were in a better place than they were but if you look at their performances as a whole um, you know they haven't they haven't been great but again, Donegal are one of those strange counties like you know even look at that like they did a good performance against Mayo mm-hmm. in the opening day they were fairly comprehensive against Kildare that, so they could easily turn around and put in a good shift against Dublin next you know, they're personnel wise, there's a few guys still to come in, and uh, you know, Michael Murphy seems to the fact that he came on early last week. Now, he was well marshaled, didn't have a huge influence on the game, which would have been a concern for them. You'll probably see him starting against Dublin because they're in a bit of a relegation, like they're in five points, they're not safe. Five points won't keep you safe now, so they'll, they'll need to be looking to try and pick up points, and I'm not want to take it to the to the last day. But there'll be a bit of a concern there, you know, Paddy McBrady just still struggles to be that leader up front when Murphy's not there and, you know, on a day that, that there isn't anybody else to pick up the scores, you, you get what you had yesterday, that they were just quite quite, quite poor in front of goal. So, yeah, there'll be, there'll be question marks. Again, Donegal are that sort of county that they can 
you know, tournament performance out of nothing because they have physicality, they have they have they have talent there. It's just sometimes they just don't get it out on the day. Yeah, don't again like that result kind of again puts the focus at an ulcer. It really is wide open, and, and as was mentioned earlier in the show, like with the championship so near, you know, you have like Armagh, Tyrone, Donegal, Monaghan in Division One, Derry, who look you know good bet to be promoted to Division One as well. Like there's a lot of competitive counties, and no one seems to be you know Antrim. pulling away. Or... Antrim. Yeah, I'm just going to say like I, I covered like obviously they're, they're outsiders in the sense of, of of the company they're in, but Antrim. I saw Antrim against Armagh last year. They lost the game by 13 points, but it was no more a 13-point game. Yeah. Um, it was about 55 minutes, I think. It was three points in it. And a, a short kick out and wrong, and a goal went in, and that was it. But they were really well-organized, really well-conditioned. Um, and the, every game they get exposed to at a higher level, they're going to get better and better. But yeah, no, it's it's it, like it's, it's always been difficult. But this year, it does seem particularly resurgent, uh, the Ulster Championship. Like, any one of those teams, you could make a case for... I think you make a case for probably seven of the nine, could you think, maybe? Or maybe certainly yeah, five or six. Oh, right. Five or six. Down, Calvin. No, they're not doing... Uh, well, sorry, five, five no, the... no, yeah. You have, you have six counties there. You probably, yeah, you've got the top four division one, Derry, and, and Antrim as, a, as an outside bet. Should, yeah, should yeah. You'd say, you might say Antrim would win it, but you, I would say Antrim would have the capacity yeah, to make it difficult for somebody on a given day. Yeah, um, uh, so, yeah, look, it's 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 more... Uh, it's more... It's... It, it's it seems to be more competitive even by its own than by its own usual standards. So, um, uh, but it I just think... shows, Donica. Like, and I've people always ask me about Monaghan this and how did Monaghan do that. But there's Antrim coming again. Right? Antrim are doing well because the, the best players in the county play. The two McCanns back, who are you know would would get on most county teams, but for an awful lot of the last sort of even ten years, different times, boys yeah. like them, things weren't right in the county and they weren't. Putting... So every county has the out there. I. I genuinely believe has the potential to do what Antrim's doing now. And there was somebody else before it was Antrim, you know, just getting their act together, getting the best players there, good structures together and getting a bit of momentum and improvement, you know, and, and that's what Antrim have done. They've just got a bit of a feel-good factor going at the minute. And McGinley's coming in, obviously bringing his experience. He's got, he's got, he's got them bought into something, which, and I know from Antrim football and playing against them, there's plenty of years that that's just not there and there's a team thrown together and, and that's not what they have at the minute. And, and uh, you know, it's really good to see because you want, you want, you'd love to see a strong Antrim Belfast team. Do you know what I mean? It'd it, it really, mm. really be good for the GA. Yeah, and they have a huge game against Loud in their next one. I think whoever wins that probably is a very strong bet to be promoted. I think that's in Loud uh, next weekend, so that'll yeah, be a very big game. And McGinley, interesting yeah. side plot. Yeah. <laughs> two men who know each other very well. Don't just yeah. have a quick look at Division Two. I know you were at the Mead Court game. You know, two yeah. counties who have been struggling for form. Mead obviously got a pretty comprehensive win in the end as well. Cork now staring down the barrel of potentially being relegated to Division Three, with given they have to play Kerry in the Munster semi final, they could be looking at a Talshan Cup uh, run rather than an Ireland Championship. Run, you know what? What did you make of what you saw yesterday? Well, I, first of all, I, I covered Mead and Roscommon a few weeks ago, and I left that thinking Mead were in real trouble. Um, Roscommon were missing, I think, maybe four or five starters between the Folias and the first <coughs> lads. Um, and I thought Mead were in real brother, real bother. Mead were an awful lot better yesterday. Um, Andy McIntyre has used 11 goalkeepers in his, I think it's six seasons now, in competitive matches. And that includes outfielders like Joe Sheridan and uh, a couple of other fellas. A man from my own club got a run for a while. Uh, he was a good goalkeeper. But we, the county never actually settled on somebody. And uh, Harry Hogan has come along and seems to be a very, very calm, level-headed fella. But he kicked five frees into the wind yesterday in the first half, um, which was... 
uh, critical to help them helping them uh, establish a sort of a foothold. And they went in, I think, five points up at halftime. And then after that, they never really looked back. Uh, Cork got the first two points at the half and Mead had sort of started slowly. And there was a small sense of anxiety building here. They're going to let them back in because Mead have been so Jekyll and Hyde in their game so far. Well, actually, not 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 particularly good at any stage, I think it's fair to say. But they had when they've been bad, they've been really bad. And there was a little bit of restlessness. And then um, Jason Scully steered over a lovely point and you could just feel the pressure lifting and I think Mead hit 1-4 on the spin, which helped them effectively win the game. After that that run, actually, they went to what, 10 points clear at one stage. Uh, and I think that's like it sets alarm bills ringing for Cork because as I say, Mead have been quite poor to this point. Um, probably lucky to get out a draw and awfully with the last minute goal and then come and win by eight points. And they were fully, des- fully deserving of an eight-point win. If it went to double figures, I don't think Cork could have had... Uh, uh, or could have major complaints. Now, they have injuries. They actually made nine substitutions yesterday uh, between blood subs and head injuries and different things like that. Um, John O'Rourke came onto the pitch on three separate occasions. So, like, they have, they've had a terrible run with injuries. They have a couple of other, like of Sean Powder is out at the minute. So, they, they are missing a lot, but they're, 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 they are in a bit of bother now. There's no doubt about it on the evidence of yesterday. Um, I think... The, the, the best thing about Cork is that the last two games are against Offaly and Down, who, along with me, are in that little mini division within the division in Division 2 of the four teams who are kind of fighting it out to avoid the, the relegation spot. So still in Cork's hands, but like by no means are they certain of, of coming out of both those games with, uh, uh, with enough points to to stay up. And as, as you point out, this is really, you would reckon, their only way to avoid Talchic Cup football because the chance of them turning over Terry in a most semi-final at the minute would be remote, you'd have to say. Yeah, Dick, what is the state of Cork football at the moment? It seems to be a conversation that's been on loop now for the last number of years. They had that knockout win over Kerry in the Munster Championship a few years ago before losing to Tipperary in the Munster final. Um, as Donica said, you know, they're playing Kerry now in the Munster semi-final, so, you know, maybe looking likely for the Cheltenham Cup. How serious is the situation that they find themselves in again, Cork football? Well, listen, they've been there for the best part of 10 years. Let's be honest, is that... All Ireland and team gradually started to break up. You know, there's been a lot of years that they've been just so unpredictable, and and the performances. I remember some game, some certain games. You know, there was a throne played them about five years ago. If you remember, in a in a qualifier game, they got beaten out the gate by something like twenty points, as if they didn't even want to be there. There's, you know, you go back to what I was saying about Anstro, about a county with maybe limited resources trying to pull together and getting the best out of what they say, the Monaghans of this world. And then you have Cork, this with more resources and players and access to whatever they want. And, and that's where they're at. You know, there's so, I don't know enough about Cork football, but I know there's obviously things that aren't done well in terms of trying to, to get the best players in terms of the style of football they want to play. Like, what is Cork football now? What is it about? What that is, what is their identity? What is it? What, it was yeah, the whole exactly. thing a few years ago about Corkness and all the rest. And, I, you know, we're none the wiser still. No, they just no. seem a bit lost. Yes, exactly. There's no, you know, players come and go. There's no consistency in personnel. And uh, every so often they might throw up a big sort of performance against the head like they did against Kerry a few years ago. And that might sort of quell things in terms of our oh, we're, we're better place. And then... Lo and behold, here we are today. And uh, even if they do manage to sort of st- stay out of relegation, like they're, they're a, a million miles away from Kerry, like that's that's it. You know, there'll be a qualifier run is the best that they can get unless, you know, it's, it's hard to see anything coming out of that. So 
I don't know is the question. Only the people in Cork and the bottle down there, they've talked enough about what they're trying to do in terms of systems and structures, but it's hard to see it. It's hard to see it on the pitch. Like those players would want for nothing, you know, in terms of you know, supports and 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 facilities and all the rest. So it, it's hard to say they can only ask ask themselves because it's, it's a very, very poor reflection. Now, the football is the sort of the poor relation by a stretch to Ireland but that's still no excuse they've still got far more resources fucking wise than the majority of counties in the country so they should be doing better it's just, I, it's just not really good enough I, I think I think it's worth pointing out that like you know Mark Keane you're you kind of touching it there Dick that they are the poor relation but Mark Keane who like wrote his name into the annals of Cork football history with that goal a couple of years ago yeah. and then as soon as he uh, said I'm done with the AFL like we did a piece with him before he was in the, the club uh, All-Ireland final and he was sort of very matter of fact. There was no doubt about whether he was going playing hurling or football. He was going in with the hurlers. So, you know, it's a little bit like the Dublin hurling team. Like, you know, yeah. there's loads of resources and all that, but like some of the best hurlers in Dublin are also some of the best footballers in Dublin. And similar to Cork, you know, you know, some of the best footballers are in with the hurling panel. So, yeah. you know, it's it's it, it, they do lose out in that sense. But on yesterday's evidence, I agree with Dick so far as like on yesterday's evidence against the mid team, it would have been pretty ordinary to that point I think that's the nicest way you could describe how Mead have been so far um, and they were by a million miles second best um, yeah. so yeah they're in I'd like Offaly and down I think if you went to Offaly now and, and you give up Offaly a scenario where they beat that Cork team on the evidence of yesterday yeah. they stay up in Division 2 I think they'd have bit your hand off at the start of the year yeah. so who's going down yeah. Donica? Um I think I think down I think down are, are done I just don't think they've got a they've got enough um, out of the, I think that defeat that Offaly is going to cost them mm-hmm. um, and then me or not out of woods but I, I, I would I'd be surprised I, I would say oh I, I God it's very difficult but maybe yeah. it's hard to it's like on the evidence he has the Cork are in real bother Cork mm. are in real bother um, and they played down next to course Offaly against Roscommon Clare and me that's, that's next weekend Right, okay. Claire, Claire and Mead, and Mead, Mead of Derry in the last game, and yeah. Claire and Ennis. So I still think Mead need at least a point from that game not to yeah. to, to, yeah. to to be to be uh, safe, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just on this division two, I know you're probably running out of time. Derry, we're all talking about Derry and prepared Jews. Jim Wing was sent off in the 78th minute yesterday with a straight red, and they're probably going to need another win he's he is their marquee forward so let's see do they regret that like that could be a massive thing for Derry like it's very close at the top I'm not sure who Derry have left to play but if he's going to miss miss a game and, and the scoring that he has they could end up uh, tripping up just at the line um, with the likes of that so that would be a very now again I'm sure these things will be appealed and all the rest but I just noticed that at the end of the Astros game mm-hmm. it seemed to be a wee bit fractious and but for him to you know, how was that that was, was a silly one to take now if it, if it cost him a game or two towards the end. Yeah, well, it's thought it to be a very exciting couple of weeks. I think mm. nothing sums that up by looking at the Division 3 table. Two points separates first from six. And as we mentioned earlier, with Talchin Cup implications for later in the year, it's going to be a cracking last couple of weekends for the Alliance Football League. But for the moment, Dick Dunnick and Sinead, thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time from the Throwing Podcast in association with Alliance. We'll be back next Monday with our show looking back on all the Alliance League action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. It's 30 years of Alliance supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. 
Only the leagues, only the Alliance leagues. <laughs>